Alex and this is the Geordie Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode 32. This is the final episode in our current run of Geordie Guide episodes, but we'll say more about that later. This week's episode is a bit different to our usual ones. We've picked some of our favourite bits from our episodes from 2021, which we'd like to share again and just have a bit of a chat really about what the project's meant for us over the last year or so. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath, Chris and Dom. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. I wonder what people think when when you say virtual studio. Virtual studio. (laughs) Sounds very glamorous. Yeah, doesn't it? We've all got these sort of virtual reality goggles on and we're kind of floating around in cyberspace. and (laughs) Like Lawnmower Man. Like Lawnmower Man. (laughs) It's exactly like that, everybody. That's how cool this is. How is everybody? I'm good. I'm, I'm happier for remembering Lawnmower Man. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm feeling sad. Oh, oh no. Oh mm-hmm. Why? I've got that leaving school feeling. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because I, when, when you asked, asked us to um, have a think back over over the recordings that we'd, we'd done recently and I started to go back to the time when we did the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to say that it was a bit seat of the pants, particularly for me. <laughs> what? That's not fair to say. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> In the first non-published uh, sessions that we did, yeah. And But then looking back, it's just been such a glorious exercise to do the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now I feel as though... I've I've got my certificate, and, <laughs> and I and I don't know what's coming next. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's that end of school feeling. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's been it's been great certainly catching up with you three, um, mm. pretty much on a weekly basis yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over the last uh, you know nine ten months or so, and it's been it's been great for me and my mental health, um, sort of catching up with you all. And it's been a huge sort of time commitment for us all. But I think we've all mm-hmm. kind of got something really valuable from it. Just, yeah, kind of being together as a team mm-hmm. uh, and uh, sharing the the memories and uh, all the stories and stuff. So it's been great. That's it's been, been all right. It's been all right. Just all right. <laughs> oh, Dom. It's been canny. <laughs> canny. No, oh, there you go. You are making that up. I'm only joking. I've loved it. Yeah, it's been great. You know, we we're not the sort of people who would have met and gone to the pub together. I don't think, but uh, I've come to regard you all as as friends over the course Aww. of the uh, yeah yeah. Thanks, it's man. been good. You're gonna Thank make Kath cry. I'm just trying to get a pint out of you next time we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's all right. It's coming. It's coming. That, that reminds me of the, the last day of school when the teacher put uh, put the ashtray down in the common room and said, "Oh, you can smoke now." <laughs> <laughs> It's just like that, like rite of passage that your, your status has changed. Can I just check? This was, this, was, this was secondary school, wasn't it? Not not primary school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to get out on my roller skates this week, actually, <gasps> for the first time since I think November, October. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really nice, uh, realizing that I could still skate on eight wheels i didn't fall over <laughs> which is how did it good. how did it feel what oh was... it was wonderful well actually no i lie um for the first <laughs> for the first sort of five ten minutes 
it hurt my legs um but once i sort of warmed up a little bit um it's just amazing the sort of different muscles that it uses compared to yeah running cycling whatever um but yeah it was great just kind of pootling around exhibition park with my friend dawn um it was just really nice being back on my wheels again so hopefully now the weather's getting a bit better Mm -hmm. um we'll get a few more outdoor skates on and uh yeah yeah go from there nice i might go out on my bike for the second time second time yeah (laughs) when did you buy it uh, uh, dear listeners at home, can you remember the episode where I talked about buying a bike? We should do a quiz. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. When did Dominic get his bike? How many times has he ridden it since? Twice. How many podcasts yeah. have we made? 31? <laughs> 30. Who's your favourite member of Take That? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to answer. Oh. <laughs> it's Jason Orange, isn't it? That's the thing. I could really split this uh, this group four ways, couldn't I? I loved Take That when I was 13, 14. I don't mind admitting it. <laughs> I don't care. Go on, who was your favourite, Alex? Go on. Oh, I like Gary. Oh. Yeah. And a lot of people will find that controversial, but I don't yep. care. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> disappointed in you, Alex, actually. You didn't go to the ice rink to see them, did you? <laughs> well, well, no, because I grew up in London, so uh, I saw them oh. at Wembley. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we, we led her into that one nicely, didn't we? I, I saw Jean Michel Jarre at Wembley. <gasps> oh, oh, it I'm was jealous. one of the most boring gigs I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like, I came all the way for this. Oh, dear. What have you been up to, Don, this week? Anything interesting? Apart from Zoom, apart from Zoom meetings, I've had, this is I've had twenty meetings this week. It's just been That's uh, just ridiculous. It's been upsetting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just one of those weird cosmic coincidences when everybody needed something all at once. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. Um, yeah. Oh man. So we're going to sort of listen to some, listen back to some episodes that we enjoyed. Does anyone want to mm. kickstart, get started with one? I will. Go for it, um, I, I had a great time listening to Dan. Oh, I think, I think it was kind of, The first one we did when we came back after after the holidays. Yeah. Because um, I've started getting, obviously, not being from round here, uh, starting to get more and more interested in sort of Northumbrian history and uh, and all that jazz. So uh, he was a great he was a great listen to. I thought I really really want to spend a bit of time going back over his episode. Um, and there was something that he was talking about that I thought was really really interesting. Um, and it was when he was talking about uh, I think about his, about his grandmother um, having this phrase saying we had nought but we were happy. Mm. And it was the bit after that where he was talking about life on Tyneside uh, and in the coal villages in particular, um, where times were times were quite hard. And they, they still came up with this phrase, you know, we had night, but we were happy. And it really did sort of make me think about kind of what happiness is and what we've been learning about happiness doing this podcast in that it's not, it's not this kind of straightforward kind of thing happiness it's not all kind of little birds and chocolate eclairs tra it's you know it's, it's actually quite complicated people talking about contentedness and happiness and all that 
and that it's possible even in the midst of the hardest of times to to find happiness and to be happy well actually my, my grandparents are such a formative influence on my life and my grandmother always had this saying when she talked about growing up in she was born in uh, new hartley in 1922 and uh she's telling me stories too um a dad was irish and irish coal mine a lot of irish people came over to work in the northeast in the pits and shipyards and so on but she always used to say and my granddad said it as well i don't know who who coined the phrase first you know but used to say we had an out but we were happy mm. now i don't know if that was strictly true or not and maybe it was just people are susceptible to nostalgia, aren't they? Yeah. And you know, growing up in the depression, in the in the Northumberland coal field, my grandmother's sister died at nineteen years old of diabetes. I mean, mm. do you imagine such a thing? Di- dying of diabetes. Mm. So a real tragedy. The danger of the the work that everyone was engaged in. We used to hear stories about our neighbours who were turfed out of the terraced house because their father was killed in the pit and pre-nationalized coal industries the coal owners could be pretty cruel and so i grew up with those stories but then my grandmother um would say we had now but we were happy and i think what she was driving at was the sociability thing and i i saw the kind of glowing embers as i like to describe it as the glowing embers of that pit village world growing up there in the 1980s where there was people who were you know my grandparents' age or older, who'd grown up in that ludicrously tight-knit, claustrophobically tight-knit communities where gossip was a real currency. And, you know, <laughs> the twitching neck curtains, remember that, and the competitive domesticity about who had the cleanest nets or the <laughs> shiniest front step and all that type of stuff. But it was a great place to grow up in, I must say. I had a blissfully happy childhood in that environment. And I think it's partly because these people were in it together and the the, um, the mutuality and mutual support and shared experience and humour mm-hmm. um, and black humour at times yeah. uh, in the face of hardship all contributed to this uniquely sociable thing. And all the institutions that they that they were proud of, like the co-op or the workmen's club or the churches, you know, all that stuff contributed to this intensely sociable world. Mm. Um, no man was an island um, in that in that in those communities. And some people couldn't wait to get away, of course. Some people found it too claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. But others thrived in it, and I was one of those who thrived in it. And 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 I think my grandparents probably were too. And my mother and. My, uh, and uh, although my dad's from Newcastle, uh, he th- thought it was a strange world when he first came to the pit villages. But yeah, I think that's what they were driving at. That's where the, the uh, sense of happiness came from. It was all together. There's another saying, actually, um, they used to say about people from North Shields and South Shields, all together like the folks of Shields, which was okay. partly a reflection I've, of I've how... I've not heard that one before. That's a I've new been, one for me. Well, it was partly a reflection, I think, of the really cramped um, housing conditions. But it was also the same sort of thing that I've just been talking about. It was they were in you know, fishing communities where, where often men were away for months at a time, so the women were in charge and they all had to help each other out. So there was that solidarity thing, mm. I think, which was, which was a, a touchstone for so many places in the northeast 
which I've always been interested in and I think it still explains what people find attractive about the place. And listening to him talk about it, you know, a lot of it seemed to come down to uh, relationships and community. So, so even when times are tough, um, having people around you and um, having that kind of sense of togetherness and community can be can be real helpful. And that's you know, you know, coronavirus and all that stuff at the moment. You know, it's it's not like um, you know what it was was back in the sort of nineteen. Well, I don't know, the 1920s, 1930s, whenever he was talking about it during the Depression. You know, it's, we're not, doesn't feel like we're quite at that level, at least um, not on the scale. But, you know, it's been a tough time for everybody. And I just kind of mm. wonder what, you know, what we're going to be saying when we look back on this, when, when, I'm, when I'm old and decrepit in about five <laughs> years' time, so when I look back on this period. And, you know, what will I be saying about, about, about now? You know, did I think... We find um, I think quite a few people in some of the other podcasts as well, you know, going back to what you were saying there, you know, the darkest times in, on the hardest days, um, quite a few people have said that what they do try and do on that on a daily basis is just think of, you know, at least one thing mm. um, that's been good about that day, no matter how small mm. it is, you know, no matter how bad you think your day's been, actually I had a really nice cup of tea or I managed to get out for a breath of fresh air, or it could be something, you know, a bit bigger. Um, and we tried some of that in um, some of the happiness workshops that we did um, mm -hmm. as a sort of activity to sort of get, get people going as we sort of started the workshop. And it was mm -hmm. a great thing for people to just kind of reflect on. And it's something that I'll probably try and do. Uh, I say this now, but no, I will. I will try and do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of thinking, you know, it's been a really bad day, but actually this good thing happened and actually this good thing happened as well. And it's that whole sort of glass half full, half empty idea, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Well, that, that was, that was the other thing that he mentioned about, you know, how people come up with this, this idea about, you know, we had no, but we were happy. Um, and almost that kind of question mark over that saying, are you sure? <laughs> you know, are you really, it really was quite awful. Um, but th there's something about, you know, deciding what you remember about these times and, and what stories you tell yourself about what it was like and uh, making making some choices about kind of what you remember, what, you, what you're seeing as being important. Um, mm. So that was, yeah, for me, that was, that was quite a profound, a profound thing that he was talking about sort of in a, in a sort of historical anecdote. I loved Dan's interview as well. I mean, he yeah. had facts coming out of his ears. It was just in fact, just, God, it was just just rolled off the tongue so easily for him, and it was obviously a clear passion of his. Mm. Um, and I love the bit in his episode where he referred to the Geordie Riviera, um, <laughs> and I still think we need that on a T-shirt. Uh, that needs yeah. to be uh, produced by uh, somebody, and uh, yeah. I loved that. We could do that as merch, couldn't we? <laughs> but he, he's right. And, you know, as, as we all know, um, the coast has come up so many times mm -hmm. as somewhere that people like to uh, like to be. Um, so it's obviously somewhere that brings people so much happiness and, and calm, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. It's such a great coastline. I think it's it's going to 
attract so many more people now going f into the future, isn't it? People who've probably just discovered it in the last few months mm -hmm. and realised yeah. realised that this is a nice place to be. I felt really isolated from it because obviously we're sort of Gosforth, North Newcastle. And you could walk really, from there. Can't re I could walk from there, but, but it feels wrong at the moment with current lockdown rules is get in the car and sort of drive over there. Mm. It's not really our patch, it's somebody else's patch. It belongs to them right now. That's and a really interesting comment because I've, I've thought about that a lot over the yeah. last few months about your patch and <laughs> going out of it. Mm. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah, there, there are loads of cars in Whitley Bay on the weekend at the minute. Mm. Yeah. It, it works in reverse for me, thinking about going to Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't go because this is my patch here, and that's Newcastle. That's I was I was down on the quayside the other day though, and the sunset was just incredible. Oh, um, and it wasn't too busy either. Mm -hmm. um, so me and the family sort of took a walk from the cycle hub down to the Millennium yeah. Bridge, over the bridge, then back over the Swing Bridge, and just that little loop. It was just, oh, it was just so nice to be back down there after mm. um, bet, yeah, quite yeah. a few months, and it was just amazing. I bet you I bet you remember that for a long time. Yeah. That would be yeah. something that sticks in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need to see those bridges again. I, haven't, <laughs> I just realised I haven't seen them for a year. <laughs> How will I know that I'm home if I don't see the bridges? <laughs> <laughs> you could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is yeah. the strangest feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Coming in on the train across the bridges it always gets you. Yeah. It's always. Just, you know, you're back in God's own country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's always really emotional as well when you're, um, I mean, I've only done the Great North Run three times, but, um, you know, when you, when you run over that bridge, there's something quite emotional about that, actually. Um, as part of the Great North Run, um, only you can say that. Alex. <laughs> well, at the start, you're all enthusiastic, aren't you? Just ask, ask me again at ten miles on John Reed Road. I'm not so keen then. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about John Reed Road. It's just one good. big incline, man. It's just awful. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, there's something about those bridges, isn't there? Um, I really enjoyed Ali's interview actually uh, a few weeks ago um we've we've all known ali for quite a long time and she's such a a great asset for the city she's not allowed to go anywhere is she um she's no. just <laughs> such a positive advocate for um newcastle and art and culture and it was just great to catch up with her um after quite a while um and i think just what struck me really was yeah just her passion for um art culture it's something that's always been with her um since she was since she was very young culture is so vast it's it's it takes in so many forms so for instance culture in newcastle there's a big culture around football so obviously you know the passion of the magpies is yeah. there we know yeah. that Culture can be anything from, you know, going out to see local independent bands, you know, around the Ooseburn. Culture can be going, popping into your local library and um, picking up books, you know, and, and reading time with your kids. Culture is vast and it is, it, 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 it's, it's so vast, it can be anything. And I think Newcastle is so rich in so many cultural um, elements. And I think there's something for everybody. 
I think um, particularly during this last year or so, you know, there's been a lot of um, conversations around, um, you know, culture is what's helped a lot of people get through oh, all of this, totally. isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you're isolating in your house, you're watching, you know, your streaming channels. I'm not going to name any on here, uh, no, you know, but people will be listening to music, watching films, all of that sort of thing. It's just integral to our lives, isn't it? Yes, and, and and more so, as you say. Um, I mean, I, I believe, I've always believed in arts and culture. I mean, I, I came over to England from, from Derry when I was 18 um, to do a foundation in art and design. Arts and culture was always something that I was passionate about. But I think when I finished my degree in fine art at Newcastle Poly, as it was then, um, I just couldn't afford to be, you know, an artist. I tried to sort of hold down a studio, do my own sort of work, but I ended up just working in bars and nightclubs in Riverside, you know, sort of serving punters and, and, and enjoying the sort of nightlife and got into that. But arts and culture have always obviously played a big role in what I do. Um, I went on then to become a neighbourhood play worker for the city council, working in the east end of the city working with lots of young people around sort of sort of youth development, play development. And part of that, we always used the arts. We, we engage, you know, those young people in arts, be that DJing, MCing, be that murals, be that around, you know, International Women's Day doing some artwork or, you know, some projects around sort of World AIDS Day. There was always an arts element to it. And I think I was so lucky to then sort of be be interviewed and given the opportunity to be arts development officer because people and using arts is is really important to me and I think it is scary arts you know if you if you set up groups you know to work with people they they get really sort of nervous you know because they they go I was I was crap at art at school or I never did yeah. this at school but I think it's more about bringing people together it's more about having conversations it's about you know sort of people feeling comfortable relaxed you know sort of talking and things come from there and I think building that confidence and then trying to progress people along you know as part of that sort of journey is really important and that's what I get really passionate about when I do my work. And just recognising the importance of culture to, to everyone's lives. Again, as you were saying, Chris, especially during this time, mm. you know, when people have been furloughed, when people have been looking for stuff to do, they've been putting box sets on, they've been listening to music, they've been listening to podcasts, they've been reading books, all sorts of things. And that's what's kind of helped get a lot of people through, isn't it? And it's just mm. so important to all of us and that it can be so many you can't define it really. It's, it's so many things to different people. For some people, mm -hmm. football is culture. For other people, going to the opera. And I don't think mm -hmm. you can be prescriptive about it. I think that's what's so great. Um, so that was that's what I loved about Ali's interview. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. This is something that I kind of try and explain to people. But working in the arts is really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you you don't get paid very much, which you know. So you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it because you care. 
But then, you know, you spend half of your day crying in front of spreadsheets, <laughs> trying to figure out how you're going to actually make it happen. It's the least arty thing possible, really, isn't it? <laughs> spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah. Don't mention then, spreadsheets. <laughs> sorry, sorry. And then it's a bit like trench warfare. You try, you just gain tiny bits of ground at a time. Mm. All ground that's worth having, you know, in terms of helping people and, and improving people's well-being and using the arts in a positive way. And a lot of people burn out in the arts because of it. You, they'll do like a five-year stint and then go and become surgeons or something. <laughs> you know, um, Ali hasn't. She just seems to be more enthusiastic now than oh, she did I when I first met her years I ago. You know, I don't know so. where she gets it from, um, but yeah, her enthusiasm and energy is just incredible. Plus, she plays. She, plus, she plays roller derby. So you know, <laughs> what, what more can I say? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I, I really enjoyed talking to John, John Coburn, yeah. actually. Uh, and since we talked, he started sending me loads of links to kids' books that I should read. Which is <laughs> <laughs> great, you know. Like what? Can you can you uh, can you give a shout out to any? Um, oh, I, I don't think we should advertise oh, until we're sorry. paid. Sorry, yeah, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Just uh, not hint, hint. Any uh, any corporate sponsors of people? You know, I like pasties. <laughs> I like sausage rolls. Just saying. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I, I mean, I like getting these links to the kids' books, and some of them look amazing. But I actually, really want them to send me some of his pickled eggs. So, if you're listening, John, <laughs> it's pickled eggs I want, mate. I could never grasp pickled <laughs> eggs. I love pickled onions. The sharper, the better. But pickled eggs, I, I, I don't know. What else? I mean, I I, I love making booze <laughs> 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 I love making booze and, and I love pickling and fermenting I think I think I think you get into yeah. a habit um I pickle everything I think I don't know if it's become a problem yet <laughs> but uh I've got a cupboard full of like pickles and fermented foods eggs onions cabbages carrots beetroot um just the usual stuff but then strange stuff so what's the strangest thing you've ever pickled John Oh god, this could go wrong really fast. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's been it's ever been that nuts. Oh, um, I will tell you what was brilliant is um, wild garlic. If when it's wild garlic season, mm -hmm. cannot recommend this tip enough. Um, go and pick the buds on a wild garlic plant. Like not when it's growing into a plant, but actually the buds. Collect them together, wash them, mm -hmm. and stick them in some pickling vinegar. Mm -hmm. um, keep them for a few months, and then stick them on your pizzas. And you make them really either before or after you've stuck it in the oven, and it's like a caper. It doesn't have the strength of uh, like wild garlic leaf, which is really, really overpowering, which I like. Mm -hmm. But it's just ah, oh, it's glorious. Um, pickled eggs are unanimously the least popular within my family. Uh, I, I love pickled eggs. But all the more um, for you. <laughs> all the more for me. I took them into work once, and that was that was badly received. Very badly received. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things you never live down for as long as you work in a place, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like on your leaving card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. No, I've, I've, I will be remembered for that, I hope. Uh, but um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm circling stuff here. These are the things that, you know, these are small things for mm. me that are yeah. uh, the, the kind of anchor points through a week, which keep you, which keep you right. I really enjoyed John's interview as well. Um, yeah. 
I miss I miss John. We we used to work together um, mm. at, at Tynawi Archives and Museums, um, and he was just such a yeah, just a great uh, great person to work with, and had so many great ideas for dig- digital projects and stuff. So uh, it was good to hear his voice again, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And he's, he's knocking doors through windows at seven stories, I think. So <laughs> brilliant. I liked Ali's interview very, very much. It, the pace of it, it was it was quite well paced. <laughs> she, she got a lot in. Yeah. Yeah. Ali doesn't know it. Um, so yes, she she's she's definitely one that I'll re- I'll remember. Uh, apart from her wearing butterfly wings down on the quayside, um, <laughs> the one that I went back to was Chris Barnard's the Usburn Trust um, mm-hmm. interview. He's got such a nice voice to listen to, I think. And he he went from start to finish virtually without me having to ask him many questions. <laughs> he, he just intuitively knew what we're about. The piece that I particularly like that we're going to put into this session, he talks about knowing when he is getting a bit stressed and he explains it so beautifully that if, if he's working hard and then he thinks... There's something going on here. I need to to walk away and get on my bike. If I'd written a script for him, I couldn't have done it any better than that. It was it was so nicely put. Yeah, I I tend to just cycle from home. So depending on how much time I've got, I'll go out for usually a minimum of an hour. But I used to go out on weekends for the whole day, so. Um, I could get quite some distance away from home. But I'd tend to just go from here. It's been interesting how many people that we have interviewed who have found uh, cycling and swimming as well as very, very helpful. And if, if they already had that as a hobby, some of them have actually branched out into open water swimming. So they've, they've really enhanced what they've done and that the emotional well-being that they've got from that has been quite staggering so I, I don't know if you would agree with that oh without a doubt yeah I've, I've read a lot of stories of people getting into open water swimming it's it's quite nice to see and and people I know as well absolutely the the well-being I get from it is immeasurable really I, I can certainly tell if if I'm particularly busy or there are some other calls on my time where I don't get to do as much of, you know, the cycling or running or, or whatever else it is I might want to do. I can I can feel it having an impact on my stress levels, perhaps, and uh, ability to manage kind of complex things you have to deal with. So I, I definitely need it as an outlet, um, and I've kind of learned over the years how to how to use that as a tool almost to manage everything else that goes on in life. Do you get your creative ideas when you're out? I think I do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I was thinking about this this morning. It's almost almost embarrassing in a way that the, the activity and the sport I like to do is very much on my own. <laughs> I was thinking about all, the, all of those activities I enjoy. None of them are team games or team sports. And I actually think I'm a good team player. <laughs> But, but the sports I enjoy very much are about me being on my own and with my own thoughts. And I think you're right. It, it gives you that space away from the, the busyness of everyday life to just kind of slow down and consider what you need to and, and kind of, yeah, generate ideas. It's basically you're talking to yourself, aren't you? 
Oh, sometimes out loud. <laughs> yeah. I've I've done that regularly. I, I've kind of running over the hills in the Lake Districts, chatting away to myself, you know. No headphones on, no no Bluetooth, just... just... I have a mental image now of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. But the bit that I particularly liked was when he admitted that he, he talks out loud to himself while he's riding his bike. And that is, that's it. You know, Chris will ever be remembered by me for that. <laughs> I could totally, I could totally relate to what he was saying because I could see the same thing happening to me with, with my running. And particularly when we've had the snow, um, I'd not been out for a few days and I could, I could, I was getting really grumpy, like really <laughs> grumpy. Um, and there was still snow on the ground. And I just thought, I'm, I'm going to have to go out. I'm just going to have to go out and um, hope for the best. <laughs> and I just felt so much better coming back. Um, and I wasn't grumpy anymore. So there's definitely something in it. True. Absolutely. There's, there's probably something to be said for talking to yourself as well. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> be, the thing is, I, I'm not sure whether I do it a lot, but... I've certainly noticed when there's other people in the house and you sort of realise that you're talking to yourself and you can't get away with it yeah. when everyone's yeah, in lockdown. You can guarantee the quality of the answer. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had an interesting piece of feedback from, uh, from my daughter who's, who lives in Australia and who's been following the podcast. Hey. And, uh, Keeping our international stats up. Thank yep. you very much. <laughs> well and, and without any prompting at all uh, last week, uh, she dropped me a text and said, that one with the Scottish guy is really good. And that was Andy mm -hmm. with oh, yeah. uh, talk, talking about his bagpipes. And uh, <laughs> so, and she's absolutely right. Yeah, it was a yeah. great interview. <laughs> I was, um, I was chatting with my friend, uh, a neighbour, a few doors down uh, yesterday, I think it was, and her partner came home uh, from work and she introduced me. She said, uh, this is Alex. This is the one that does the podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> podcast woman. <laughs> oh, dear. So it's, it's great to see that people are, have been enjoying it and, um, yeah, coming back for more. And um, I think Dom and I were chatting with some people on a training session this week that mm. you know we're still finding people are going back to the first episode you know we're still getting you know downloads for the very early ones and I think people are perhaps only just discovering the podcast now and have got all of that lovely content to make their way through because <laughs> um, everyone's just been absolutely brilliant every single interview and as you said, Kath, you know, Chris didn't, you know, you didn't need to worry about Chris not talking. He kind of did all the talking. Mm. And I think we've been quite lucky with with all of our interviewees that they've not been shy. Um, <laughs> they've been really open and chatty. And yeah, you've not always needed to prompt them too much. Yeah. When you think they didn't know, well, they didn't know me, just using me as an example, they didn't know me that well. So it, it was just off a cold start um, mm. and for them to be so fluent and interesting and sharing yeah. was, was wonderful, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, We've got to have about 30 hours worth of recording now. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it seems odd doing an episode like this where we're, we're, we're sort of picking out, you know, oh. favourites when actually, you know... It, it's it, all favourites. It, it's yeah. all great. I mean, it's, I, 
Um, I have been trying to find out more about Buster Kenton, and I can't find any information about it anywhere. Ooh. There was Val talked about yes, Buster was. Kenton, wasn't it, it? Was. Remind me about the Buster Kenton story. You know what? She just mentioned it in passing. It's one of it, the early plays she'd been involved one in. Of the, yes, and it, it was prob- probably a school production. Yeah. yeah, so that's probably why it's like finding somebody's school play, I guess. It's <laughs> almost impossible, but uh, yeah, if anybody's got any information on Buster Kenton, I'm actually dead keen to find out about <laughs> it, just because I love the title more than anything. Yeah, so it, was, it was a project she worked on in, in Kenton, and uh, mm-hmm. oh, but she, she's got so many fabulous stories. She's in the, the Ali Flanagan Wood class for that. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, <laughs> just sit at her feet and listen. It's I, I love I loved the conversation you had with her, Kath. It was great. <laughs> there, there was a bit when she was talking about her great aunts, and in particular the one I can't remember the name of her great aunt now that uh, that, that did the dressmaking uh, and kind of kitted her oh, out yeah. with this fantastic mm. wardrobe when she went away to university. So there's kind of glamorous dresses for for everything. <laughs> I kind of thought she was. Uh, <laughs> rolling in cash and no no it was just she had a really really talented loving great it actually kind of made me think about um my own it's one of these things where you hear somebody talking about an anecdote and you think, oh, that really really takes me back to childhood because it was one thing that my mum did so often she, she put together costumes and things for um drama productions you know either with um kind of university groups or school groups and they were fantastic creations um, and she did them all at her own sewing machine and it's something about the, the sound of mum's it was an Elna Swiss made sewing machine posh mm. uh, nothing well yeah I, I, I have no idea whether it was posh or not oh, probably yes, it was posh is it okay for posh <laughs> um, well, it certainly, take it from it's, me yeah it certainly did an awful lot but it's the sound of that kind of whirring kind of <laughs> Um, which i can hear it's it's part of my dna now i can i can hear it without it actually happening um and it's just kind of one of those really soothing sounds i don't think mum finds it particularly soothing (laughs) um, because she's just kind of strapped to that machine so often not literally Um, there was a there was a bit there was a bit in uh val's interview that went on the cutting room floor with it's probably just as well, but they did a lot of work in working men's clubs and mm-hmm. had dif- various differences with the committee about whether a woman could go to the bar and buy beer. Exchanges were, were made and <laughs> cultural differences were expressed. <laughs> um, she didn't always get a uh, beer. <laughs> and if she did, it was always only a half pint. Uh, oh, yes. It, yeah. oh, absolutely fantastic um, club stories. Yeah. But going back to the dressmaking, I mean, I, I wish it was a skill that I had. I'm useless. My mum's great at, at mm. knitting and sewing and all sorts, but I, yeah, I'm terrible. And actually, one of my friends, one of my roller derby friends, Joe, has been making clothes in lockdown, and they are absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, making little sort of uh, baby grows with hay duggy print and <laughs> rainbow you know ponchos and all sorts of things it's just amazing and i just wish i could have the patience and the skill to do it but i don't i know well, i don't <laughs> my mum is my mum is lined up to do my daughter's prom dress <gasps> oh, that, will be a, that will be a thing that that happens so. amazing. I, I made my daughter's christening gown yeah. oh wow that's that's very special yeah mm. but uh but yes, so, so next in the next few months, Alex, you'll be able to go and have lessons, dressmaking lessons. No, you're all right. 
you just said you wish you could do it. I, I, no, I just haven't got the, yourself into that. <laughs> I haven't got the patience or the skill. <laughs> they're all they're all at Derby dressmaker listen i had to ask a friend to we, we have uh, patches that have to go on our um game day tops um and i had to ask a friend to sew it on for me because i couldn't sew it on <laughs> so if i was to ask everybody what's kind of your main takeaway from the project what would it be putting you on the spot a little bit here uh, I, th- I think mine is that it's not actually complicated <laughs> what happiness or podcasting yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not complicated but it's hard to achieve sometimes because uh the things we need to do to keep ourselves happy are the things we're often least likely to do when we're stressed yeah you know taking that time to go and for a walk or get some exercise or you know think about what you're grateful for during the day or you know all those small acts that go a long way can be the last thing that occurs yeah. to you to do at that moment. I guess that my, my, the main takeaway from that really for me is just to find ways to just check myself and yeah. remind myself throughout the day. Is this okay? What do I need to do? You know, I'm not anti-mindfulness. I just tend to think that the term mindfulness can be used uh, as a catch-all. You know, we're sorry we're giving you all this homework at school. Here's a book about mindfulness. <laughs> so a situation that seems to be happening with my kids at the minute. Yeah. But it is, it is a, a moment where you have to just check yourself and be mindful of your state of mind and then perform those small acts that can keep you moving forward and, and contribute towards happiness. So I said it wasn't complicated and then I came out of this really complicated, <laughs> noisy gang of words just then. Scaring all the other words, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Dom. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to say something and it's kind of serious and I don't want to bring the mood down. Go for but it. I'm going to say it anyway. Um. It's not a bad thing at all, but it's been it, certainly the last last three months for me and for my family were really, really difficult because uh, my father-in-law died on the 12th of January. Mm. And you know, that was kind of why I wasn't present in a lot of the, the earlier episodes in this year, because uh, we had all that to deal with. And of course, that's immensely sad, and it still is. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of working through all that stuff, but... The fact that we've been doing this podcast has actually been really, really important. Um, partly for the, the fact that the four of us getting together and, and, and doing all these chats and stuff, I found that, that really, really good. But also just with this big question about what we've been asking, like, okay, what does it mean to be happy? I mean, what, what is happiness? And how do you find happiness when actually, you know, things are really, really sad? Um, and it, a little bit like what you're saying there, Dom, about sort of mindfulness and sort mm-hmm. of thinking about, well, how am I feeling at the moment? I'm, 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 what does that mean? Where does that come from? And um, all the, the the lessons that our podcast interviewees have learned um, over the years kind of all kind of came together and caused. And I found myself thinking about things that people had said and words that they'd used to describe happiness, particularly when times were tough. And, um, you know, that was, that, that's been a really, really, a really, really good thing. I think to uh, to take away for me. So, yeah, it's, I, and I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Thanks, Chris. What about you, Kath? I, th- I think it's given myself permission to let things go. And mm. f- strangely, this has been a very busy year. 
a very, very busy year. Mm. And it's been learning new skills, um, new patterns of living, missing people, that sort of thing. And it, and you're right, you, you do get that point every now and then where you just have to think you can only do so much or there's no point in getting wrapped up in this too much and given permission to to just walk away, mm. you know, rather mm. than getting stressed out because you haven't answered an email that came in the day before yesterday. Have, have you been reading my mind? <laughs> <laughs> you see, we've got this magic now after. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would echo everything that everyone said about the value of doing of being involved in the team and achieving something that I think is wonderful um, mm. and, and keeping balanced, a little bit more balanced, yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Alex? Oh, no, don't put me on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've just been um, amazed at how friendly and willing people have been to get involved in the project. Yeah. Um, and talk to us and have their thoughts and feelings and ideas recorded in this way. And I've just been really grateful to them for their time, for sharing um, often quite personal um, anecdotes and stories. Um, mm -hmm. And as with a lot of storytelling projects that we've done, there, there are often lots of differences um, because everybody's their own person, aren't they? But mm. um, there's been a lot of um, similarities coming through, lots of different threads. Um, and as you said, Don, at the start, it's not about necessarily the, the big stuff. You can't be happy all mm. the time. And it is often just the little things um, that bring you the most joy and uh, not to not to forget about them, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been great. Excellent. It's such a shame it's coming to an end, isn't it? Isn't it, Alex? Yeah. No, it's not coming to an end. What? <laughs> what? What? What did you just say? Sorry. Well, I've, made, I've made plans. <laughs> I made you go through all that. <laughs> Emotional turmoil. No, um, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, this is the last episode in the Geordie Guide to Happiness but it's not the end of the podcast. Get it. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hold on. I've been, I've, I've been holding on to this for oh, 32 oh, episodes. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're really excited to announce that we've received funding from the National Lottery Community Fund. We'll be transforming into the Timeside Happiness podcast which means we'll be spreading joy and happiness even further into the rest of Tyneside. We'll also be running more community happiness workshops and other special events. We'll be taking a short break, but we'll be back next month with more fabulous interviews from across Tyneside. So please watch this space and keep an eye on our social. You can still get in touch with us via email, hello at thegeordieguidetohappiness.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Geordie Guide or Facebook, The Geordie Guide to Happiness. As always, I want to give a shout out to our funders. This project wouldn't be possible without support from the Newcastle Cultural Investment Fund at the Community Foundation. So thank you so much for your support. Woo! 
so that's it we've reached the end of this week's episode it's been an absolute joy working on this project with you kath chris dom emma all our groups and interviewees so thank you so much for listening and we'll be back very soon Thank you.